Yo, what's going on, guys? Welcome to a podcast. Not only is this a podcast, but it's our journey. A journey that we hope you want to ride out with us as we intend to educate you guys, inspire, talk about past and current experiences, and to make one think to stop judging others. Most importantly, stop judging yourself based on others' views and perceptions. With that said, you'll be hearing from me, myself, Austin Kirshner, but along with our journey on this podcast will be my mother, Kathy Kirshner, and my brother, Dylan Kirshner. With that said, welcome to Silencing of Stigma. We're going back to the roots. Yo, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to another edition to the Silencing of Stigma podcast. Hi, everyone. Hope everybody had a happy Thanksgiving. We're recording this the day after Thanksgiving. Austin, did you have turkey? I did not have turkey. What was your meal? Dunkin' Donuts coffee? (laughs) I did not have Thanksgiving meal, actually. What did you eat? I had a uh, taco that I made myself. Okay. That I am actually pretty good at making. Good. That's very different tradition for Thanksgiving. Yep. How about you? Did you have any turkey? I didn't eat anything the entire day. Why? (laughs) Because I wasn't hungry yesterday. I had a chocolate chip pancake this morning, first thing, 6.30. At my favorite restaurant. Impressive. Yeah. So I hope everybody out there did have a good, happy Thanksgiving, got to spend time with family and friends. We might not have had a meal, but Austin and Dylan and Tori and Chase were with me for a few hours yesterday. Very interesting. Chase is all over the place now. Mm -hmm. And it was fun. They got coffee and that was their meal. So he's just looking at me. So we had a conversation, different topics that we wanted to talk about today. And then I came up with a topic, something that I learned about. I think it was last week I learned about it in a meeting that I was in. Um, We were talking about Narcan. Austin and I were talking about Narcan. And there could possibly at some point be a shortage of Narcan and how horrific that would be in, in the circumstance. And Austin talk about what you said about narcan and this is just my opinion if you have if you're using uh, a substance and you're depending on that substance and you have something that can almost revive you narcan you would almost in my opinion feel more safe to keep using but why do people get pissed off that overdose and they use Narcan on them? And they say that they just wasted their high because they use Narcan. It's an interesting question. So Narcan's been a question and a debate for ever since it came out. And the reason we're talking about this is because some people believe that Narcan is a crutch. Most yeah, people that's that, a good way to put yeah, it. most people that aren't educated on, don't understand that in some cases and just what we've learned through some of these podcasts is they don't care. They're still going to use the drug, whether the Narcan's there or not, which, yeah, it's another view. There's a lot of different yeah. views you can take on this. Right. But as a family member of someone in addiction or someone who died of an overdose, you can understand why those family members feel it's important to have that narcan right and so we want to make sure that it's available so my comment was you would say the the number of deaths or rate of deaths have been going up every year extremely high since the pandemic what'd you say extremely high extremely high like double digit percentages it's been rising so what's that do for narcan well imagine where they would be without narcan i'm not saying that I'm saying the percentages would be even higher because Narcan so is we're, saving we're people. We're talking supply and demand at this point. Right. If you don't have Narcan, even more people are going to die. That's just a proven fact. 
Yeah, but now what I'm trying to say is you're going to have a lot more Narcan now, is what you just said. The more the deaths go up or the rates of overdoses go up, the more Narcan is involved. Right. Well, that just goes to show the more drug users that you have. Where or is... people that are just trying it for the first time. There's so many people that are just trying it for the first time. Which And they maybe not necessarily have substance abuse disorder. They just are randomly trying it, and it's bad. Which gets into a topic that we might talk about a little later, but what I'm trying to say is, where's the end to this? Overdoses, deaths, whether you're trying it first time, third time, 100 time. Well, it's education, but if, if, if we want to get down to it, most people that have substance abuse disorder have a mental illness as well. And right now, the world is struggling with mental illness. And so the opportunity for drug use is going to grow. Alcohol use is going to grow. Because My question is, what are we going to do to stop it from getting to that point? Or what are we going to do to not necessarily stop it completely, but slow it down? We need to educate. Before it gets to that point. Right. We need to go into the schools. We talked about this before. Because to be honest, we're never going to stop drug addiction. We're never going to stop substance. uh, Abuse disorder. Abuse disorder. There's so many different names out there. We're not going to stop alcoholism. We're not going to stop drinking alcohol. We're not going to stop it. But right now it's running rampant. So I personally believe, and you and I spoke about this, and Jackie and Steven were here two pod, no, last podcast. And we talked about that. Like, there's so many organizations, and even when Gina was here, that want the same thing. We all want the same goal. What are you and I doing this for? Why don't we start this podcast? Yeah, why did we start the podcast? Because we want to save a person. We want to help a family. We want to educate where people aren't educated. How do we do that? Uneducated people, it's hard to convince someone who hasn't been personally affected by this disease to want to learn about it because how many people still to this day say my kids wouldn't do this my family member wouldn't do that i taught them not to use drugs so it's ignorance and it's education how do we start that all these organizations let's face it every organization that's talking about drug addiction anything at all wants to stop it nobody maybe pharmaceutical companies want it to continue but nobody wants this to grow and continue Nobody else wants anyone else to die from this. So we need to get together. And to your point, do we start in schools? And if we start in schools, it can't be a police officer standing there saying, don't use drugs. It can't be education. Do you think we're looking at it as a too broad or too big of a picture? Like we're trying to tackle this all in one action when it's going to take small actions to get to where we need to be. So like a pilot program? I don't know what the hell that means, but... A pilot where you go try something in a small group and see what your result. Well, you have to try a program. It may or may not work. So you're trying it. It's not a program. What is it? Just going out and talking to people. Right. So it's a trial. Like, is this educational? Is it going to work? And what feedback do you get? And is it helping anybody? You can keep talking. People keep talking and handing pamphlets out. Don't do drugs. Is it helping anybody? Me personally, I wouldn't read a pamphlet. Right. So we have to try to find something that shows a little bit of success in educating people where they want to have the conversation. It's like a book, okay, or a movie. You and I, if we see the same movie, we can talk about it. But how are you going to get someone interested in watching the movie? To engage in conversation, to learn about the the movie. You see what I'm saying? I understand what you're saying. That's a hard thing. We gotta try different things and find out what is actually because gonna if somebody stick and doesn't work. Necessarily not like it, but like doesn't so that if somebody doesn't like action movies, they're gonna right away they're gonna be like, I'm I don't like action movies, I'm not gonna watch it. And nothing affects them. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like So it has if, to be profound enough. So for us, like Say, for instance, we weren't affected by drug addiction, we wouldn't be here right now. Right. So, if Kyle. So, how would we be educated? How would we want to get educated if it doesn't affect our family? We wouldn't. 
we would be that same person now, that stigmatizes. Not necessarily. I'm just saying in general, if, if it doesn't affect, if they don't think it affects them, then why would they care about it to take the time to learn or even watch a video or go to uh, uh, not one more race or like any of these things? You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's, it's, it might be the people that don't think they're affected, but they are. Just like you and I, where we didn't think we were affected by it, which we knew nothing. Like we didn't really, and it was the beginning of the, the whole thing. As 2014. Far as, far as when this start all started, well, it started way before that, but. Became you see what I'm saying? How do you get somebody interested? Epidemic. Yeah, and I How do you know. get somebody to tune in for at least a couple seconds to, to listen to a message? So do we stimulate children in school where they have a meeting and then they want to talk about it and then they ask their parents about it and then they talk to their parents about some meeting they had at school or some, what do they call them at school? Assemblies? Yeah, assembly. So you have an assembly on it. Why do they call them assemblies? I don't know. What are you assembling? I <laughs> people are assembled together but you see what i'm saying like do you have something like that where a child in junior high maybe is too late junior high fifth sixth grade goes home and asks their parent yeah i watched this or you'd have to get first of all you'd have to get permission from the parent and the parent in your case is they don't think they're going to be affected by it everybody goes home from school how did you learn about drugs in school We've talked about this multiple times. I don't yeah. remember. So they don't, you didn't remember, so it wasn't impactful. If you get actual users that suffer from this disease to go in and talk, are they going to relate to that? Are they going to be interested in that story? And I know that s- several different organizations go out and talk in the community. But to your point, every meeting that I've ever been to, um, when it was the Heroin Task Force, it's your collaborative, I think, now, Everybody that was there, guess what? They've already been affected by it, and now they're trying to learn about it. There wasn't people there that didn't know anything about it and wanted to learn about it. Some of the meetings, people came and bitched about the people. I don't want them living in my neighborhood. They're terrible people. So we all need to figure a way, to your point, how do we and stop it? By no means, like, just because we were touched by it in any way, does that make you an expert on it? Absolutely not. We've been in this. We're no experts on this. No, we're just having conversation and bringing up things that we study and learn, which we're going to bring up that um, other option besides Narcan that I learned about last week. We're just out there trying to share what we learn. We're not experts. We've been in this eight years. I've actively been researching and finding things out for the last five and still learning stuff. But to your point, how do we make it important or significant enough that people who have no knowledge of it or haven't been touched by it, how do we engage with them and make them want to learn about it? That's the question. Well, if you think about it, like school, what do you what what subjects do you learn about in school every year? History, science, English, math. Do you think it should be a part of this, the, the school sy- system? Yeah, but it's just like sex education in the school. You have that in your health class, too, and what do you take from that? Everybody giggles in the class, your fifth, sixth grade, you're learning about women, girls getting their period, and everything's funny. The guys have their meeting. Like, you got to have it at the right time and explain it to them. And I just what don't. if it could be like a, what do they call the classes that aren't necessarily important, but they're. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Like a tech ed or something like that. Like they could have a class where like. Well, that would be good. You could sign up for something to learn about it or like, and then somebody that was. They can have speakers come in. Yeah. You can show them what the drugs look like. Cause I don't know. I didn't know until last year when I was at a Not One More booth and the neighbor next to me showed me a case of what all this stuff looked like on elective. It's called an elective. Yeah. That's a good idea. How do we start that? Like, who do you... Yeah, but you... 
I don't know if you could take drugs in the school. Well, these are, these aren't real. This in this box, they weren't real drugs. It was not real, but it simulated it what it looked like. But that's a great idea. You don't make it mandatory, but it's an elective. I never thought of that. Maybe you'd have to come up with some kind of curriculum. Like you could have guest speakers come. Most of the time, if you think about it. Dude, kids, I used to remember assemblies. They were like the best part of the day because it's like, (laughs) oh, yes, we get to, we don't have to go to class. Like our classes were always shorter, like 15 minutes each. Like kids always wanted to go to assemblies. So you go to an assembly and then you put a, a previous student in that assembly who's telling their story. Somebody who you would never have thought in a million years who's now affected by this telling their story. Is that not an eye-opener? We talk about stigma and parents don't want to talk about it. we got to start talking about it. There's kids in school who go home and their moms and their dads are both using. And they don't know any different and they hide it. So how, would it, how do we get rid of the stigma where people are comfortable enough to come to school and we have people that share their story on our podcast that are young people that would go to a school I mean, Jackie and Steven said they would love to help do something, get active in the community. It's going to take one person, that one basketball. When you were young playing basketball, you always looked to those high school basketball players. And basically, you idolized them. I don't know if it was you or Dylan that went on the bus. Dylan did. Dylan went on the bus, and they signed the basketballs. And then you became that senior, and the little ones looked up to you. One of those people that they look up to, if they can sit up there and say, I've been affected by this, I've used or my family member, it, it touches home. If it's somebody in the community that you're aware of that you never would have guessed. Why do you? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Would never have guessed. And they sit because up there and tell their profound story. It's going to impact that school or that area more profoundly than to put a stranger there. A stranger story is great. You and I have heard stranger stories. I've been to meetings. I've been to speaking meetings. We've heard strangers talk. But if you can put somebody in that area that they can relate to, that they never would have guessed it happened to, don't you think people would listen? Yeah, because you think about it, when you, when you idolize someone almost or look up to them, what do you look at? You want to grow up to be like them. Why? Because you think that they live this perfect life. And behind the scene, we're not talking about what's really going on. The and fame, that's Yeah, that's everything. The popularity. That's not even just drugs. Like, comparison is the killer of all joy. Like, we're always comparing and want to be better. And it never, it's never going to stop. We still do it. I still do it. You still do it if we think about it. We still look at somebody and say, God, I wish I could be like them. Not as much. Well, Austin's shaking his head. I don't do it as much as I used to, but most people do. They must have it easy. They're driving a nice car. Everything's great. And then all of a sudden you find out it's not so great. But I truly think that would be a start. Is an assembly of some sort. And there's different organizations that can come. How powerful is that to show pictures of kids or not even just kids, people that passed away. You go to a high school assembly, and this would be different than what you would expose to a younger child. And you start putting pictures up there of individuals who passed away that went to your school or were in your community. And you put those pictures up there like the Not One More Banners specific to the area that you're speaking in and then you have people that survived it or are still in recovery they don't survive it but they're in recovery tell their stories that's profound yeah but you tell them stories then you you get the whole mental illness involved it's like but that we need to talk about that too that's what i'm saying the mental illness there's a lot to it so you would have to channel down. Because the dude that's sitting there in the assembly watching might be fine then, but then when he finds himself, I don't know, three years later into a sticky situation, he doesn't remember that assembly at all, probably. 
That's, unless you unless you connected to it. That's what that's what your goal is to make people connect to it and give them resources. If you feel this way, or this is what happens when you go to that party and you think it's cool to take pills out of a bowl that you don't even know what you're taking. This is what could happen. Look, show them the reality of this is a face of somebody who didn't think they were going to die and they died. And they're this age and they're dying. I just read an article the other day. A 14-year-old child died of a drug overdose. You don't want to scare people. Dude, I don't remember when I was 14. You don't want to scare people, but we want to educate people. And we need the organizations to get together. Us. Not one more. The York Collaborative. Like, Gina and I, we spoke about this. We all need to come together. And we can do the Narcan. Because that's our, a pat. I think, I think one organization. We just talked about this. In most cases, not just organizations. Somebody always wants to be the hero. They want to, they want to be the hero. And it's not always about being the hero. It's about pulling together and supporting something for a better outcome. So no organization should want to be the hero of this or fix this. So we need to figure something out, to your point. And the Narcan, Stop saying that to my point. So I don't have Narcan, a point. Well, your point is we've got to figure something out. You said that. That's your point. That we got to figure something out. Everybody's got to figure something out. That's yeah. everybody's point. Yeah, that's our point of What are we existence. trying to figure out? How to stop it. You're not going to stop it. How to slow it down. How to control it. How we to maintain it. We can slow it down. We might not be able to stop it, but you can slow it down. So I, I believe there's different stages of this and how you can affect the, the rate. Okay. Okay. There's different stages as far as you got... You got the people that you, the kids, the younger generation that you need to introduce this stuff to before it gets to the point of substance dependency. But then you got the the other breakdown of people that are already depending on the substance, right? So you take, you have to take that at a whole different route. You can't look at them and say, all right, we're going to, you can, you can teach them what the drugs do and stuff like that. Because even I believe people that are in addiction as well or substance dependent don't really know what they're consuming. They what? consume because of how they feel of how they feel and the, the benefits they believe are benefits to their mental health. But well, do they, they know honestly they're using heroin? But what's heroin? What is heroin? They don't know what is that what you're saying? Like the molecular, the molecular compound of what heroin is. Is that what you're talking about? I mean, like, there's nothing wrong with knowing what it is that you're consuming. Would you agree? Oh, no. I don't know if it necessarily would you, benefit because then they're going to be like, I don't care what the fuck it is. I'm just going to use it because it's benefiting me. I, I believe it's benefiting me. So you mean you should explain to them how but it affects I'm trying to their say brain? Is it's, like so, later in life, how it affects your body later? It could be. What I'm saying is you got to tackle these different groups of different things. Like, so your, your people that the kids, the students that aren't exposed to it, you need to educate them on what it is, how it affects your body, what it does to your mental health. Also, you need to explain to them alternatives to this besides, besides the use of drugs. There's right. healthier ways to cope with your so-called problems, which I call challenges. There's healthier ways to do it. Drugs aren't the answer. And then the people that are already substance dependent, you have to take them at a whole different, um, that's like a whole different task because then they're already dependent on drugs. So what do you, you have to educate them as far as what, what what's out there to help them. Right, what's up? You need to share with them success and then, stories and then you and have the, the people who are recovering. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like there, there's, I don't want to say stages, but there's different groups. I, I, I don't want to really call them groups, but there's different types of stages here that people are at. Yeah, but how do you know what stage you're in? And do you want to even admit that you have a problem? You don't have a problem. It's not a problem. Well, it's a, Why are we looking at it as a problem? It's not a problem. It's a challenge. It's a challenge. 
you know what's cool about challenge is you can overcome challenge. You see yes. challenge as, as, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to accept this challenge. I'm going to take it on. You see a problem, you don't want to take a problem on, do you? Okay. So it's a way of looking of at it. Right. Thank you. This challenge. Some people don't want to take the challenge or admit that they have the opportunity to fix a challenge. I don't know. I see what you're saying, though. But but we need to talk about that. So we'll pull resources together. What resources? Different organizations. Where they've what, come. What, what, what have they tried? There's different ones. There's not one more. There's the York Collaboratives. There's the 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 rise program or raise i'm not sure i think it's the raise program there's jft there's so the many race. different different organizations the needle exchange people like there's all kinds of people all wanting the same thing save a life and back to the narcan we need the narcan or this epidemic would be even worse than it is right now today and me personally I will carry Narcan. I will try to save someone because that's someone's loved one. Whether they need it or don't need it, it's a life. And I appreciate the organizations that hand it out, that make it available to people because that's important. Eight years ago, you didn't hear about Narcan. Eight years ago, you didn't really hear about fentanyl. Kyle died of a fentanyl overdose mixed in his heroin. He had no idea that there was fentanyl in it. Nowadays, we've heard people actually go look for fentanyl. They want fentanyl. Speaking of fentanyl. Speaking of fentanyl, that brings us up to something that I learned about last week, and I don't know a bunch about it. I have an article here um, that was forwarded to me, but there's actually fentanyl test strips that people can use um, to save lives. And the article actually says fentanyl test strips empower people and save lives, so why aren't they more widespread? This is an article under Health Affairs. Um, it's, a pretty, it's a pretty long um, article. I can post it on the page for the group to read, but it's actually fentanyl test strips. They're inexpensive, evidence-based method of averting drug overdose. What they are are small strips of paper, and they can detect the presence of fentanyl in any drug batch, pills, powder, or injectables. They say it might be a life-saving for teenagers' experiment for the first time. When people go out and buy drugs, if they're not specifically asking for fentanyl, sometimes drug dealers will lace. This is not, this is just what I heard. They'll lace it with fentanyl because they get a powerful high off of it, and the person using isn't necessarily aware of the percentage or how much of it is fentanyl. Some people just buy straight fentanyl and it's more deadly than the heroin and it's taking over um, with the deaths. But what this does is you can actually test to see before you use the drug if there's fentanyl in it and if somebody is taking drugs and is having a reaction, you can do a test strip with their urine and see if uh, fentanyl is detected in that person. Um, it says that the person using a preferred substance obtained from a new source, so if they're using it from a new drug dealer or they're not sure of the person that they're getting this from, they could test it before they use it. It's not saying, okay, you can now use drugs because you have this fentanyl test or I'm not promoting that at all. But we all know that a person that's going to use a drug is going to use a drug. So why not give them one more thing to help that because they're going to use it. And people that aren't educated who don't know about this, we're not promoting it. The, the, the people, the people using this are not enabling them. It's just helping them make an educated decision about their safety. So if we're not going to stop them and they die, they know every time they use this, they're going to have a chance to die and they still use it. So if we can help them, and I've never used, so I can't explain what their thought process is, but it actually gives them another safety net. Does it tell the, the potency of the, how much is it? Like, does it, so like when you test your pool for pH levels, it gives you a certain color and what like percent or 
It gives you a decimal. No, it doesn't. It just tells you if it's in your system. So it just says a yes or no, like a pregnancy test. Right. So just for those people who have not heard what fentanyl is. Do you test it before you buy it? You're not going to tell a drug dealer, I need to test this before I purchase it. But are you going to test it and throw it out if it has fentanyl in it because you don't want fentanyl? I don't know that you're throwing it out, but you're not going to use as much of it because you know your high is going to be stronger. How do you know if there's no fucking potency test on it? Because you just know that fentanyl is more deadly than heroin. You don't know how much fentanyl is in it. So you're going to try a little bit. Instead of giving a full dose, you're going to try a little bit of it and see how it affects you. I don't know. I don't use it, but that would make sense to me. That if you know it's there, then you know that you can't do the whole bag or whatever that means, whatever dose you use. I don't know because I don't know how it works. I never tried it. But it would make sense that you would use less of it, which therefore will last longer. So if you're getting higher with a little bit amount that has fentanyl in it, your bag or whatever you purchase is going to last you longer. More. T- <laughs> we sound like a bunch of clowns <laughs> trying to fucking... Well, no, I'm just talking about it. But anyway... For those people out there who don't know what fentanyl is, it's a synthetic opioid. It's 50 to 100 times more powerful than morphine. So morphine was always used when you're in the hospital and you have serious surgeries and stuff. Yeah, you've been on morphine. I've been on morphine. Um, It's 50 to 100 times more powerful. I can tell you that. 50 to what? 50 to 100 times more powerful than morphine. The fentanyl in Kyle's blood was 80 times more powerful than morphine when he passed away. And that 80? was 80 times. Based off what? Off his autopsy and his blood test results. It told him how much fentanyl was in it? Yeah, it was 80% higher than morphine. I don't remember. I haven't had that out in a long time. Explain but this to me. It what this, was the breakdown of that heroin? I don't remember. Of that heroin. Of the substance that he used. I don't remember. You just said 80%. 80% higher. The fentanyl that was in it was 80% more times powerful than the morphine how do you know that it was on the paper and i don't know the breakdown and someday maybe i'll get that sad box out and read it again and we can discuss what was how in do you know blood. it's 80 percent? that's what it said on the paper yes the the amount that? of it fentanyl the amount of fentanyl in his system potent yes then it may have not been on the autopsy it may have been written because pam Gay gave that information to me, and it may have been written on a piece of paper, but I specifically remember reading it was 80% more powerful. More powerful than? Than morphine. It said those exact words on there. Somewhere on that paperwork in that envelope, and I'll get it out one day and show it to you. I'm not clearly not doing it right now, but someday I'll get that paper. I never shared his autopsy with any of you. It's in a sealed envelope in my box. And if you want to read it someday, you can read it because it tells everything that was in his blood and what percentage and I'm everything trying to guess. else. Anyway, how, how do you judge 80% more than? I don't know. That's just what I was told at that point. It was written on a piece of paper somewhere in that box. I'll look for it. But anyway, for those that don't know, it's a synthetic opioid, more powerful than morphine. It's found in unregulated drugs. And it's cheap to make and easily mixed or cut into drugs. It can be found in heroin, cocaine, formed into pills that are sold on the street, um, oxycodone, others. Because of that, many users are unaware of the composition of drug that they are taking or whether it contains traces of fentanyl. The lack of knowledge can be deadly as well discussed later. Fentanyl is... Responsible for an increasing number of drug overdoses. So mostly, it started in like 2011. These strips were distributed mainly at harm reduction sites, such as needle and syringe programs, which is a whole other topic. Um, People believe and disagree with those as well. With what? The needle and syringe program. Where they exchange clean needles for dirty needles? Yes. They actually wanted to open a clinic in Philadelphia. They came real close to opening one, and then it was shut down because people that believe that just like Narcan and these fentanyl strips promote drug use. I believe that people that are educated would see that, but as somebody who's learning about this stuff, I can also see that they're going to use it anyway, so why not make it safe for them and be controlled? 
and you're shaking your head. I know it sounds crazy and bizarre to people that are listening who have not been touched by this, but as a family member, I would much rather have my child. I can say this, and I don't. I can't really attest to it or make a concrete statement because it's it's. This is all not real. But if Kyle would would come to me, okay, and be like, so. Exp- First of all, explain the needle exchange thing. So people that are substance dependent, they come to the needle exchange and they do what? They hand in their old needles and they get clean needles. Why do they do that? Because when you're using dirty needles, you're spreading disease and infection like AIDS. Yeah, but where are they getting the dirty needles from? From using them. So you can't they reuse use them. them. You, can you reuse Some them? people reuse them, and that's what they're trying to prevent because people share needles and use oh, them. Oh, so you're saying sharing. So like, somebody has a dirty needle, and they share it, or they use it multiple times, and they have disease, and somebody else picks it up and uses it. Now I'm you're just saying, if you would come to me and I had the capability me. to me, if he had, if Kyle had, the, if I had the capability of giving Kyle a clean needle, this is just my opinion. Okay, I, I wouldn't give it to him. That's fair. Would that's I? That's just my opinion. No, that's fair. But I'm saying, from a parent, would you? Yes. Why? And we've had multiple moms on here that said they that never thought they would do it, but they supported. Not necessarily they support, support. Not necessarily support, but did what they had to do to keep their child alive at that given moment. That is correct. And they all said that they won't. If they would ever said that they would ever done that in their life, they probably wouldn't have. But when it comes down to that moment, they give it. They don't give in, but they. I mean, that's your child. That's your fucking that's child. That's right. So if you know about this disease and you know they're gonna do it anyway, and I can hear a call right now saying, "Fuck it, I'm doing it." Yeah. I would give him a clean needle and say, "If you're going to do it, please use this." But with my it, with my answer is. I would obviously not just say no and then walk away. I would tell him why. I would give him an understanding from where I'm coming from. All right. And, and what I would, would he say to you? And I would. It's the fact that I'm willing to try. I'm not just going to give the needle up. Okay. Well, that's fair. You can have the conversation. I'm going to have the conversation. But in the end, and we know Kyle, I see him right now with that smile on his face. But, that shitty and grin, again, this he's is, gonna say, Fuck this is it, all I'm just this is all just up in the yeah, air. Like we yeah, don't know. I get it. From everything that we've learned from this point on, like from everything that happened, everything you you say they're gonna do it, right? But what if you could be that one fucking person that says no? That could be the one time that he does that he puts that shit down and that never touches ever again. Well, if you're having a conversation instead, about the usage. Instead of saying, I know you're going to use, here you go. Now, I don't know because I've never been in a situation and I've heard stories that people were in a situation and they let them use because of their reasoning and stuff like that. But that's just my opinion. Now, okay. I've never been put in that situation, so I'm debasing this as off of okay. everything I'm educated on right now and... And I appreciate Somebody might have a question for me about that and feel free to ask me, but that's just my opinion because I could be that one person. What if, okay, say they did the needle exchange thing and people were coming up. What if I would have been like, if I had the needle and I, I would have went to go give it to them and I pulled it back last second and they went and went to go get it and they couldn't, you know how you like yeah. high five and you pull away? Yeah. And then you sat there and you explained to yourself or you explained to them how you felt. What if you could be that person's savior? Like what, what, like you see what I'm saying? Is it a possibility? Yes. Is it a small possibility? In my opinion, it's a very small possibility if they're coming to a needle exchange and they're getting a needle. Very small possibility. But what if, what if I explain my experience and my story to this person and it, it just clicked for them? It's a long shot, right. but but at the end, what if what if they heard me out and they walked away without taking a needle, 
But if they said, no, I still want one, then you could give them one. Instead of just giving them the needle, why not try to... Okay. You see what I'm see saying? I see your point, yes. That makes sense. So you would be that person outside like me, the door trying to convince them. I'm not saying right or wrong. This is no. my opinion. That's like me uh, having a bakery, right? And you, you come up. And I know what kind of cake you want. And I say, and you say, I'm here for a cake. I go to give you a piece and you go reach for it and I pull it back. And I say, listen. <laughs> I'm pissed now. You took my cake. But I say, here, listen, hold on. So here's... Here's what happens. This is what happened to me. Okay. And just explain my story and maybe explain, do you really want it? Like you asked the question, whatever. And in, in the end, if you really wanted it, I could, I could offer it to you. Like that's, at least I tried before I actually gave it up. I like that. Cause in my and mind, maybe they do that. I don't know. Mind, We've yeah, never been we to don't one know of that, these. But so I don't know. That's just my opinion with, like, if Kyle would come to me, I'd be like, yo, no. Because maybe they have people that try to talk to them before they give it to them. And they have... And again, know, I don't know what's we don't like know because to be in their never, shoes, yeah. but that's just that would be something I would do. So I'm going to write a note. We need to um, get some information on how that needle exchange works. And do they actually have somebody that's... They don't just hand it out like they have counselors or they have people there, people in recovery that says, look, this was me look at me now. Do you need this? Like they may do that already. I'm unaware of that. So I'm write that down and we'll figure that out and we'll be back to people on that. But I like your idea on that instead of just making it easily accessible. But I think majority of our listeners is, I want to say your generation. Well, how do we, we know that there's a report that tells us that. That are listening. Why are they honestly listening? There, that's a question for you listeners out there. I'm coming at you. <laughs> Why are you listening to our podcast is what I want to know. But people that have shared with me what they've learned from these podcasts. Yes, I know those people. They've learned a lot. They have looked at things differently. They've looked at people differently depending on the different topics yes, that we that cover. Stories. We've heard stories where they actually do not judge or stigmatize people because of some of the things that we spoke about. I want to know what the perp, like, why do you take your time out of your day to listen to our podcast? Just to hear me and you and you curse. Is it just because you know us? Is it because you want to learn? Like, I'm just curious. I'm, I'm interested because if I listen to a podcast, I want to listen to it because either it's entertaining. I'm going to learn something from it. Because I'm not just going to listen to it because, you see what I'm saying? There's got to be yeah. a purpose. There's got to be a reason yeah. behind listening to it. Well, most some, they, some of them are related to curious. us. Some of them curious. don't. No, it's a great question. And well, now he wants to get a camera. So now he wants us to be live when we do this. Not live, videoed. So people can see us video, which will be interesting. Some people listen just to the beginning just to hear me and you tell our stories. And we'll tell that story about what happened to me a different time <laughs> on my Thanksgiving holiday. Um, but let me get back to this about the uh, fentanyl test strips. They said that they're, they're accessible and people, the persuasive stigma surrounding people that use drugs created the barriers around these fentanyl strips and other harm reduction tools. And the reason is negative perceptions of people using drugs are fueled by a lack of compassionate understanding of why individuals would use drugs in the first place, which in turn contributes to the belief that they lack a moral compass, can't be trusted, or don't care about their own well-being. These sediments are found in our immediate communities, but they also exist in some of the highest levels of government. And so this goes back to the government officials and we're not going to get into politics, but we need more support from our government as well with this pandemic, I mean, not pandemic, epidemic, because they're the ones that are going to be able to make the change. If we can't educate our government on this issue and they have the stigma that most people have until they become educated, nothing's going to change in the government. Do you agree with that? No comment. Okay. 
it makes sense. We have to educate even those people I'm that... I'm not for or against. I'm just saying. I have no, no, no But problem. they have the ability to make changes in law and fund some of this stuff that organizations are funding. Majorities of their budget are going towards some of these things like Narcan to save people if the government could help. Like, for example, I had a police person approach me who knows that I do this podcast and he said to me, what do you think is going to happen with all that money the state's going to get from these pharmacies that were sued? What, where can it be used effectively? And that's a good question. Where is that money going to go? Is it going to go for pamphlets that you just said earlier that nobody's going to read? Where is it, is it going to trickle down? Should it, be tri- should it be trickling down to the people with substance abuse disorder and get them more treatment? You have to realize that what we're talking about and expressing here is not the only issue or only challenge in this world. I understand. But if a pharmacy is creating pills or drugs that become addictive and they allow doc and they're giving doctors these prescriptions and giving them compensation for prescribing their drugs, knowing that they're addictive and they're not FDA approved for some of the things that they're using it for and the consequences that they're sued and they have to put up money for people that are now with this condition. Don't you think the money should go towards that? And they should be researching. It just said here, the situation has worsened, worsened during the COVID-19 pandemic between October, 2019 and October, 2020 there was a 46% increase in overall overdose deaths. That's a lot. Before COVID, it became a epidemic and everybody was talking about it and people wanted to fix it. Now all of a sudden COVID's here and COVID is killing people and, and at higher rates maybe, I don't even know that for a fact. But this has been pushed under the rug, and it's still increasing. And the more people that are home, you said about mental illness, the more people that are home struggling are looking for something. And what are they going to reach for? Something that they can grab. We talked about a lot, but I just I did want to make sure that these fentanyl test strips that I've never heard about, and I don't know any much about them, I'm going to post this article on the page. Um, but we had some topics to talk about, so hopefully you're familiar with what they are. You're now understanding what fentanyl is. Any ideas? Austin put out there. He wants to know what our listeners' <laughs> feedback is. Effing feedback, if he says so himself. And organizations, and how can we stop just talking about fixing things and making it happen? It's just weird because we're talking about something that we've never really experienced personally for ourselves what do you mean trying the actual drug i've tried some of these drugs what when the doctor gave them to me as a prescription and i'm Uh, not crazy about how they feel you're talking about like addictive drugs in general i'm talking about addictive drugs in general You, you you and i just said we had morphine i had oxycodone at the hospital that i refused i guess what i'm trying to say is like We can sit here and say, like, we need to do this and we need to do that. But, like, at the end of the day, like, I'm just blessed that I never had to go through it or was never really introduced to these drugs. And I found a healthier outlet in my life to to handle my challenges throughout my life. Because I've been through multiple but i never thought like drugs would be like like that resource to to handle like the challenges in my life so i can't as much as we want to sit here and talk about how we should fix things all I can talk about is the experience that we 
dealt with as a family and some of the ways you can cope with that. Other than that, we never really, if you think about it, I'm not saying, no, that's true. I'm not saying there's pain levels to anything because pain is pain, but we've never like some of these stories we've had on this podcast, those people have been through it. They've mm-hmm. been through it in and out it. They're still dealing with it. And coming from someone like me, I sometimes I think it's just simple as you know, put the shit down. Right? Yeah. We talked about that. And and that's I wish it was that easy. And that, again, that's why I really can't say much about it. I have my opinions, but is it is my opinions valid? Because I don't you see, I'm going with this. Like, yeah, I'm just your, grateful. Your opinion that, matters as a family member of of like a I can, situation. I can tell you how I coped with that whole situation, like the benefits of like working out, like right. that's that's, and all the the things that came before that, like all my struggles in my life. Like the gym was always my outlet. There was always something that was put in my life. Now that I think about it, whether it was through someone that gave me someone to look at online or whatnot, but there was always something there for me to handle these challenges throughout my life. Other than like a substance. And that's fortunate. And I'm, I'm honestly grateful for that. And I, as much as I want to say my opinions on like, just stop doing that, stop doing this. Like, no, I'm not going to give a clean needle to Kyle. Like, I really don't know. Like, I never, I don't know what addiction's like. Well, you see what I'm saying? You've like, never I'm been never, addicted to anything. I, like, we joke about my cake and my food addiction. I'm saying like a but, substance dependency. Yeah. Like, But were the, you ever addicted to anything? The hardcore, like, drugs and stuff like that. But were you ever addicted? Are you I addicted was never, to anything? I was never introduced to any of that. Like, I was, I'm blessed enough not to be, was never, like, one time Kyle was like, you want to smoke this joint with me? Nah. Dude, I got basketball the next day. I'm good. <laughs> but it was never like... F- but did you say I have basketball the next day and you didn't smoke it because you had basketball or that was your reason? You just didn't want to do it and you didn't say no? I was no. scared. Okay, that's because fair. Because it was, it was like the first time it was presented to me. Okay. So you made an excuse instead of saying, no, that's wrong. You I didn't say that. I, I, didn't say any, I didn't say anything other than no, I'm, I'm good. That's all I said. Okay. But like I never was, maybe it's because of the way I was raised with you and like you guys wouldn't let us go to parties and stuff like that. Like we were never exposed to those environments. Yeah, but look at Kyle. If you think about it, we were never exposed to those environments until like, I don't know, 12th, 11th or 12th grade. And we always just dabbled in alcohol and that was it. Like all those parties that we went to. Did you ever now see that I think drugs? About, no. Not that I know of. Most of the time if it was there, it was... They were doing it somewhere else. Like, it wasn't just blunt out in the open. Like, oh, So here, you never saw it. Here's a like fucking... You were never introduced to any of that. Here's a bowl with a bunch of candy in it. Here, take it. No. Okay. That's what I'm saying. Like, I'm, I'm blessed that I wasn't ever put in that situation where it was like, yes or no. But do you have an addictive personality where you would have thought about it or no? As far as what? Using a drug? Yeah. Or anything. Are you? I do you have anything that, that never, you're addicted to? I would say the, the gym, if, okay. if that's what you want to call addictive. Well, that's a healthy addiction. Okay. There's just so many benefits that come with the gym. I would like. I wish I could reach out to so many younger kids as far as how to how to cope with your challenges throughout life and stuff. Like, that's this is what I'm trying to get at. Like, we gotta you gotta touch the kids before it gets to the point where it's put in front of them and they can make a choice. What are they making that choice off? What are they making that choice depending off of? What's, Uh, what's in their mind that that they're going to say, yeah, I'm going to try that. Or I'm not going to try that. Is it like me? Like the marijuana thing? Is it the fear that the effects it might have on you? Or is it, I'm curious, I'm going to try it. All my friends do. Is it peer pressure? Like how do we teach at the kids growing up? I just, if people could just understand the benefits to the gym and just walking, exercise, hiking, climbing, like anything out there physically, there's just so much more benefit to that than trying to chase a temporary satisfaction. 
But they're chasing it for different reasons. Right. To and be popular. Mental... To be popular because they can't deal with the trauma that's been in their life. There's they... no such thing as popularity. And that's where all these labels come in. And people think, and that's where the world goes wrong, is because there's labels on everything. We talked about this the other night. Yep. The bullies in school are the most insecure ones in the fucking school. <laughs> I know. Most yeah. people that come across. There's no, there's no such thing as popularity. There's no such thing as you're better than me. There's no, there's none of that. We're all one. We think about this. We've all came from the same source and we're all put on this earth. I believe for a reason. But the thing that goes wrong, or maybe not wrong, but and it's okay, is people have, there's so many different beliefs, and this goes back to our religion talk. If you think about it, we've all came from the same source. We all have the same internal structure, basically, if you break it down, okay? The only difference is our physical features, and that determines who's who and who's not who. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yes. But if you break all the physical features down, we all came from the same source, but yet we believe in different things. Explain that. I can't. We so all have different what minds. Tell, what, so what, we all have the same organs. I get what you're saying. Our bodies all function came, the same way. We all way. come from the same source. Yes. Okay. So why is it that you're better than me just because your Instagram has 100K followers than me. Even though we came from the same source and we're made up of the same thing. You're putting a label on yourself. You're saying, just because I have this such... Same with money. Same with materialistic things. That's what You can't be... Your cars are made up of the same internal structures. What's different? Because people the feel better features, when they look good. The when, physical when you features. look good or you have something that looks good, every it car makes has, you feel Every car good. has an engine. I understand. Except for electric, maybe. I don't know how that works. They have batteries and they have <laughs> other shit. But we label things and we say things are better than other things when they're really not. We're all on the same fucking level. Yeah, but what's your better versus my better? It's all your personal belief. We should probably end this one and re-record and get talking on that, but uh, stay tuned to that. I get what you're saying. But in the end of the day, I'm just, I'm just grateful that I was never put in a situation where I had to choose. And I think a lot of it did come from watching Kyle go through like his relationship with you guys as far as you guys reprimanding, reprimanding him for his decisions and stuff like that for what he was doing. So I watched a lot of that. Well, his marijuana. And I, and I learned. And every, his arrest for I DUI. I watched how you guys reacted to those things, and it was, it was just what I learned. Yeah. And, and the kid at work said that, he said not to be rude or anything, but I was like, what are you talking? He's Is like, this the boy who listens to the podcast yeah, now? He'll catch up. He's probably 30-something <laughs> right now. He said not to be rude or anything or something like that, and he's like, Maybe your brother did die for a reason, like for you guys to do this shit. And I was like, I, I truly believe that. Well. Because I, I told him, I said, think about it. If this would never happen, we wouldn't be sitting here right now. He well, didn't die for us to do a podcast. His death allowed us to do this podcast. You don't, I don't think that God said, okay, I'm going to take Kyle at this point because... Six years later, his mom and brother are going to learn about this. I think we adapted to the experience that we were exposed to. He didn't die so that we could do this. His death gave yeah, I see us, what you're saying. Yeah, his death gave us mean, an opportunity yeah. to, to express what we're doing today. And I'm grateful for that. I'm not grateful that he passed, but... You know, we can talk about that on different podcasts. I just posted something on our page about that. We have to be grateful for the, and this is hard for people, especially that just lost a loved one, but I often think about, I'm just grateful for the time that I had. Yeah, because you're not guaranteed it. Right. So he made an impact with us, and now I get emotional because it's Thanksgiving, and we had him for as long as we needed him. 
And I would rather have him for 24 years than not at all. So, it's part of life. Yep. So I'm glad we have new listeners, and he will catch up. It'll take him quite a while, but um, yeah. So we'll get on to the next topic, the next podcast, when Austin goes on about. No, I'm not going on about that. How we are all created on this earth. We've come a long way reading a lot of books on different things throughout this process. Educating ourselves on anything from religion to relationships to whatever. So we're going to end this podcast now that you made me cry. Um, yeah, I'm telling you guys, you better fucking say something. <laughs> Please respond to him. Whether it's Facebook Messenger or in the comment section. I don't care if you just say hi or wave or yeah. anything. Okay, got you. All 212 of them. No, there's Send only a like meme 60 or, or something. I'm talking about listening. in the group. Send him a little happy face or whatever. Not all of them listen to the podcast. Give him the finger, whatever you need to give him so that he feels like people are listening. Comments would be appreciated, so... With that being said, we'll catch you on the next one.